Greetings, and welcome to the Ashland New Plays Festival Play for Keeps podcast. We hope you are surviving through this stressful and difficult time and are finding moments of joy and connectedness when you can. Today, we are presenting a conversation with Nate Epler and Stephanie Allison Walker. Nate Epler is a playwright and new play advocate, currently serving as the director of the Ingram New Works Project and a playwright in residence for the Nashville Repertory Theater. He was a winner at AMPF 2018 for his play, Primary User which is scheduled to receive its world premiere this summer at the San Francisco Playhouse. Stephanie Allison Walker is a playwright and screenwriter. Her plays are known for mining humor and darkness, personalizing the political, and exploring the strength of women. She is a two-time ANPF winning playwright for 2016's The Madres and 2018's The Abuelas. Both plays received their world premieres at Chicago's Teatro Vista. Now, without any further ado, a conversation between Nate and Stephanie. Hi, Nate. Oh, wait, that was <laughs> There's a counter here. Okay, hi, Nate. Hi, Stephanie. I had to say it again because I didn't wait the recommended 10 seconds to say it. I was just too excited. So, um, how's it going in this pandemic? Uh, uh, well, it's different every day. <laughs> um, we are, let's see. So we're recording at the end of March. Today's like literally the last day of March. And oh my gosh. I love it that you're actually saying when we are. So yeah. Um, well, March yeah, break. because like, I, I don't know when, uh, you know, um, you and I, and I guess maybe like our parents, I don't know who else would listen to this, but <laughs> whenever, uh, whoever is listening to this, I would imagine that, you know, like every single day over the past two or three weeks has felt like its own little year. I mean, like, I mean, March has been, it feels like it's been hundreds of days long. And so there's no telling where, um, uh, things are a week from now or two weeks from now when this is out. Um, uh, I am safe and sound in Nashville. Where, where are you right now? Los Angeles. This is my family's 19th day of our own quarantine. Yeah. We, the Mar- March 13th, I was supposed to fly to Chicago with my kids to visit family. Right. And we canceled the trip the night before. Um, you know, even though my doctor had said, oh, it's fine, you know, but things were changing day by day. And that was the last day, March 13th was the last day of LAUSD being in session at Los Angeles Unified School District. Right. So um, I have two young kids in kindergarten and fourth grade. So we had actually decided to keep them out of school that day and um, stay home. And I think actually that day was the last day that I went to the grocery store. Um, and and yeah, and then we just have been kind of, camp, you know, here. I had taken the kids for like walks and hikes and, but then last week we got hit with sickness here in our house. So we really haven't left at all. Um, but anyway, yeah, 19, 19 days and it feels like many years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, and just to be clear, um, uh, you were saying dealing with sickness in your house, but you know that nobody in your house has the coronavirus right now, oh, right? No, we don't. So, right. I had strep throat. I got hit. Well, my, my son, my, uh, nine-year-old had it and nursed him through it. And it was pretty, not too bad for him actually. And then he got over it relatively quickly without any kind of medication. And then I got it really badly. And I thought, oh, I'll, it, whatever this is will work its way through me as it did my son. But that wasn't the case. So I, I uh, have been improving thanks to um, penicillin. Thank, so grateful for penicillin. And um, then my husband got sick. And he has symptoms that are correlating with mild coronavirus symptoms. But we just don't know. So yeah. he's been separated from the family. Like he's, uh, he's, in, he's in the bedroom now. I'm on the couch. Like I keep, you know, I'm trying, I'm sanitizing everything. I'm, I'm trying to keep him in that room so that he doesn't bring his germs out into the rest of the house. It's very difficult. Um, yeah. especially when we're like, is this a really bad cold or is this maybe the coronavirus? And we just don't know. So obviously tests, tests aren't available for people who have mild symptoms. Um, right. unless you're like a celebrity or a politician or very wealthy apparently. So, um, 
I wish that we could all test ourselves to know whether or not we were carriers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be very helpful. But anyway, right well, now I didn't, he's, okay. he's okay. I didn't know that about, Oh, I'm sorry. No, I just wanted to, I just wanted to just spot like he's, I, I have, he's okay. Like he's okay right now. I think more than anything for anybody who's sick during this time, because even having, I didn't know what I had before I knew I had strep. It was terrifying. It's so yeah. scary. So I went to yeah. I was like, oh, thank God, like all this anxiety left my body and I could get better. Yeah. It, well, no, it's, it like, yeah, it's terrifying not knowing. And I'm so I'm so sorry you've got that in your house right now. And I'm so sorry about your uh, husband. Like, I hope he uh, it feels better. But I mean, like uh, having to um, separate inside houses right now. I mean, oh, my gosh. Like I, uh, you're not the, this is not the only story I've heard like that today, let alone like in the past week. And the, uh, the more that we're facing all of that, the more like destabilizing all this, uh, feels for sure. I mean, it's so the, the whole thing is just like terrifying to kind of like not know, uh, right now, but it just keeps hitting closer and closer and closer. Um, uh, so you're like, you know, uh, are, are you working at all right now? I gotta be honest. I'm not, I, I'm having such a hard time writing right now. Are you finding time to write right now? Um, I am finding it. it, it <laughs> gosh, I, there's so many answers to this one question because, you know, when all of this started, um, you know, we're like, okay, I guess we're going to be home for a while now. Then there, you know, everybody was talking about like, use this time to write that your greatest masterpiece. And, you know, all of that stuff was going on. And I started feeling kind of that pressure. But at the same time, I'm, I had decided that I would not write a new play this year. Um, that instead of writing a new play, I would be adapting um, my play Friends with Guns as a screenplay. I would be writing a new screenplay and a new pilot and, you know, doing things for film and yeah. TV with the hopes of yeah. actually uh, providing an, a future for my family. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> we've talked about this a lot. I know that you you too would like to be staffed on a TV show. Like I would love to write for TV. So I, instead of just, you know, kind of, splitting my focus with plays. I've been trying to really stick to that, but I'm finding that working on something, a full length, anything right now is, is, um, really hard because my mind is so, um, splintered and I yeah. overnight became, you know, a homeschool parent, which I am not equipped for. And I'm not, I don't have the, um, I value my alone time. <laughs> greatly. So, and, and, um, I'm just, it's just something that I've really like at first, I'm like, I have to do this really well. Cause I don't want my kids. We didn't know how long it would be. You know, they told us two weeks at first, but we all knew it would be longer than two weeks that right. they'd be out of school. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm responsible for their education now. And that quickly became, we have to do what's right for us. Be gentle with ourselves, be gentle with the kids, you know, all of that. So yeah. I'm really focused more on my family than I am my writing at the same time I've got stories come bubbling up in me you know and so they're but they're shorter pieces like I wrote a 10 minute zoom play comedy a comedy because I'm like I need to write a comedy uh what about you that's that's great though well look I think I you know like um uh uh any kind of uh, I'm um you, you, you and I have sort of been having this uh, conversation over the past few months about like the realities of the economics of playwriting. And I think like before the coronavirus happened, we both sort of expected this, this podcast would be a little bit about that, you know, I'm yeah. increasingly yeah. having conversations with artists who, you know, recognize that what they're doing is like necessary for their own emotional survival and sometimes the amount of time that they're putting into it detrimental to their economic survival and the like weird jaggedness of those feelings is is so is so hard you know that that sometimes to even be very successful in our field does not translate to um livable economic success is th that's been the case for years and it's it's uh it's hard it's hitting all of us very hard and then when you add this on top of that, you know, you start to feel like, oh my gosh, like, is the work that I'm doing 
uh, you know, like worth it? Can I afford to give it that time? You know, like, uh, uh, you know, like what, what are, what are my skits compared to global pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. but like, I, I am finding that like, um, I'm surprised to find that I am like really desperate for that space that, that I don't, that at this moment, like I a little bit, uh, I, I need, you know, like to generate money from it, but I'm also like, Oh my gosh, like I, uh, am, um, uh, I, I need the like, uh, relief or space or like, um, process of the art to like work through some of the stuff going on with me. Yes. And, and honestly, I've really, I've had a hard time connecting with it. And I don't think it's like a, um, I, I think I am kind of in, uh, uh, you know, like a survival and crisis mode. And so it feels risky to like let the necessary guards down to, to do the writing, you know? So like, um, as I'm having like a harder time connecting with what's going on with me and my own work, I am, um, uh, doing more and more to help other people, uh, connect with theirs, you know, like, like a big part of what I do, um, is, uh, new play development anyway. And so like, I'm working with the Ingram new works playwrights and a a cohort of local playwrights in that program. And then I just started working with, um, there is a, uh, a small, uh, theater company here in Nashville, located in East Nashville that, they write and produce these really extraordinary brand new plays for teenagers, uh, new plays written for the teenagers performed by the teenagers and, uh, or, or uh, youth. And this, um, project is, I'm working with student writers to like develop, um, a, uh, response to the pandemic while it's going on. And then it'll be presented, uh, at the end of the month online. And so uh, I'm really, I'm excited to be working with them. Um, the the students work has been extraordinary so far we really jump in later this week uh you know like developing them and crafting them and and my job is sort of like to be a lead artist you know i'm sort of like leading the writer's room as they like engage with these challenges and questions and and their own material and so like i'm finding a lot of room for that and that's the stuff that's making me feel sane right now Mm -hmm. um uh but i am like a little bit like disconnected from my own, um, from my own, uh, work, you know, my own writing. I really relate to that need to process through writing though. You know, um, it was funny cause like it, one of the things, because I was like, I can't focus for like these really specific things I'm trying to do in my work right now. Um, I'm going to instead just journal every morning. And or day, whenever it happens, like whenever I find a moment, even that's if it's great, just, though, even if it's just like a couple sentences, because I really want it. I just we all like we can recognize this is so unlike anything anybody's ever experienced and or will likely experience in our lives. And I wanted to document that I felt like and I've been trying to encourage actually my nine year old as well, not not necessarily like you know, not at the same level, like, let me analyze my feelings about this, but more like, you know, he'll, he'll random things. He'll be like, Hey, remember that restaurant that we went to that, you know, I'm like that one. I didn't think you liked that one. You kind of complained about it when we were there. He's like, no, I I did like it. And I want to go back. Like now that he can't, you know, now that that this restaurant that wasn't a particular favorite is not that no restaurant is a possibility right now. He's like, I I miss it. I want to go there. Um, I'm like, write it in your journal, like make a list of the things that you want to, uh, go back to, or like that you were looking for. That's great. That's so to, great. You know, and he hasn't taken me up on it quite yet, but well, I'm, I'm, I just keep kind of nudging, you know, like when he mentioned something like, Oh, I'm sad about this. I'm like, Oh, you could write that down. That's something you could write down in your journal or draw a picture about it. And his teachers have been like it, trying to encourage that as well. And so, you know, I've been trying to take that on for myself, but man, when I got sick, I was sick and I was so sick and I was like, I'm not doing anything. I just, I couldn't do anything. I was so, it was, it was, I'd never had strep before. It's really crazy. And it just hit me really, really hard. So, um, that got derailed and I haven't really found my way back to it, but a big 
uh, I would say breakthrough for me is that I'm not beating myself up about it. Cause so often I'll be like, I'm going to do yeah. this thing. And then I don't follow through, which is very familiar. But uh, the other familiar part is the shame and the berating that I do to myself when I don't inevitably follow through. So sure. I'm, I'm working on letting that go. And I also have been continuing to see my therapist on a biweekly basis via telehealth or something like sure, that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Over, over a video conference, you know, and it's, and uh, yesterday I had my appointment with her and oh my God, I needed it. <laughs> it was the perfect timing. Oh yeah. So, oh, I'm definitely doing yeah. I did this today. Like I, I, I definitely, yeah, that was one of my meetings today. Uh, I, uh, yeah. One of the things we talked about, I was like, you know, are you seeing a lot of people right now? Is everybody just like crying at you over video chat? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she was expressing how there weren't that many, she had a lot of cancellations last week and this week it was starting to be more and then like more of a full schedule next week. And it didn't have to do with comfortability about, telehealth, it was about the steps that people are reacting to a crisis of this size. And I totally get that, you know, but like, yeah, I feel uh, I'm so glad that I have that kind of, you know, like support and um, space, you know, like, and so far as like the writing goes, I, um, you know, like, because of my background or whatever, I'm always a little bit of like, I feel like I'm a little bit ashamed of like being a writer as opposed to I don't know, a factory worker or something. (laughs) And I, like, you know, uh, um, uh, I always kind of have like a weird relationship wait, wait, wait. with it correct, anyway. Correct, correct, correct. Can you just, can you just say a little bit more about that? Because I know your background, but people listening oh. to this, I mean, your parents know your background and <laughs> I, I do mom and dad. I just wanted to introduce myself. I think just, <laughs> he's awesome. I just, I, but you know, like that's, a, that's, what do you mean by that? Like, because of, you said, because of my background, I feel ashamed. Right of being a writer. And I just think like, that's a nugget. Uh, Well, yeah. I I mean, I think that I, um, uh, and you know how much I love to talk about this. So thank you for questioning it closely. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, we we could, I will allow you to like turn it if you want. (laughs) I grew up, um, uh, in, uh, a really difficult time in Flint, Michigan and like uh, around, um, really, uh, like substantial, um, uh, unemployment and, uh, like in real poverty, like uh, the kind of poverty that we don't really talk about, you, you know what I mean? Like the, um, uh, you know, like, uh, like, <laughs> like documentary poverty, you, you know what I mean? Like, like, not like, not like, poverty, like, oh, those are poor people in a TV show or whatever, but like actual honest to goodness, like system-wide, citywide poverty. And growing up in that, you know, like it was like a, government. I'm sorry, what's that? Like government cheese. Did you have government cheese? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. My, my husband too. And I, I mean, I grew up totally privileged. So, but listen, you, you like, you just feel differently about work in in that way, right? Like you feel like, okay, what you should be doing is like, you you should be making as much as you possibly can. Um, you should have like a a job. I mean, like, and I'm sure part of that is like just the, like, you know, Midwestern work ethos that like goes, or, um, you know, like that goes along with that. I understand that, but like having a, um, uh, a job in the arts uh, sometimes feels like I am very, very lucky to have that, but also, when I am experiencing like economic discomfort or whatever, it's sort of my fault for not having a more traditional job. And I think that's just like that kind of like you do when you grow up poor, you, you never really, it it doesn't, it doesn't go away. Your relationship to it changes, but it never goes away. And like that kind of like really going through deprivation, you sort of like carry it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, like it, it causes like a little bit sometimes of like, you know, uh, uh, shame around the work. And I mean, I would say without question, like my, my own stuff about, well, who really wants to hear my point of view about anything? I think that goes along with it too. Do you think you that's know, universal? Like, do you think every writer feels that way? Um, I think some do. Because I, I feel that, I mean, I feel that way all the time. That's like the thing yeah. that the thing so often, like when I, when I sit down, I mean, it's not every time, but, but often when I sit down to write, it's like, I have to get past that 
you know, and then in order yeah, to yeah, then, even, sure. even begin, even begin, you know, and, and it's like a thought I just have to like, keep it bay, like acknowledge it. Cause it's not going to go away. No, but, no, no. But that's, that's you know. a kind of resistance that like frequently, um, that resistance is just like, uh, uh, is actually about e- your own. I mean, I, uh, sometimes it's true for me and sometimes with the writers that I, work with and I don't mean to say it's like necessarily the case for you but sometimes that sort of resistance is about your defense mechanisms around the thing that you're writing you know like if it is too close or too painful a easy way to like avoid it is that voice in your head that says well nobody wants to hear it anyway you know and so like sometimes those things are that like you're most resistant of are, are the ones that you definitely need to be writing you know I I was kind of trying to get to the idea of like you know like the sort of um like the personal shame that you bring to it like you're talking about like does anybody want to hear me or you know like the economics that i was talking about versus this thing going on right now where um uh, people are like feeling a pressure to use the time that they have to like write like you said like a magnum opus (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and and i like i am hearing from like more and more writers that they are like very worried that they're not uh, you know, spending their quarantine time, like generating content or like working on stuff. And I like, I, I, this just feels to me like it could not be farther from like reality. Like this is like a huge, um, uh, uh, society changing traumatic experience that we are all collectively going through Mm -hmm. and being able to like manage that enough that you can sit down and write whatever play you were working on is fucking crazy. (laughs) Like, you know, like I, I, you know, like I'm fully aware of the fact that I'm like, Oh man, I wish I had more time to write and I wish I was more connected right now. But if I was connected, who knows what the fuck I would even be able to write, you know? Yeah. It feels like, um, you know, when you're living through something really hard, I, 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 I have two re, two reactions to it. Like one is, um, you know, write my way through it because that's my coping mechanism. Like that's a form of therapy for me. Um, and then whatever I write, you know, throw out at the end or it doesn't become anything and that's fine. It's what got me through. Um, or, you know, take a lot of time to ch- kind of process and then whatever, you know, whatever it is that we're like going through now, what we, what we're living through. I mean, I guess I'm just trying to stay as present as possible to the, to the moment, especially sure. as a parent. And like, um, for me, the opportunity right now, it's like, yeah, we're all stuck together in this house, we all value alone time, every single member of my family, like all four of us really cherish alone time, which it's, you know, kind of a little bit more challenging to carve out right now. Um, yet just finding ways to just be present because, um, I, I mean, okay, this is going to sound super dark, but I, I open up my Twitter feed and every day it's more people talking about loved ones that have died in their lives yeah. from this. And so it's, uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to stay present. And also because when my mind goes other places, like what if this happens? What if that happens? It's just never good. Um, in my world, uh, my anxiety brain, uh, is, is not a helpful, a helpful brain. Um, so, so that's, that's my coping mechanism, I guess. And, and then in the end, like on the other side, who knows what it's going to look like See, right now, even it's so hard to have a conversation without my mind jumping to a million places because my brain just went to what is theater even going to look like after this? Sure. Uh, and then the next thought is I truly honestly believe that we will, that theater will survive anything because we want to be together and gather and tell stories and share stories and hear stories. Um, I think that's something, maybe I'm saying that because that's my passion and that's what I love, but I really believe that as human beings, I mean, look how long, look what theater's been through you know i mean it's it's it, it no, might I look a lot different but i i don't think i it's, think you're exactly right i i think that yes i think that it probably will look a lot different and i think that it's like um uh I, I will say, I will say this. One of the things that scares me right now is the number of people that i'm engaging with that are um uh i i recognize the value of um uh, denial as a coping mechanism, or, or even if not denial, just the desire to like take things small bites instead of like everything all at once. I, I totally mm-hmm. get it. But like, there are some 
um, like uh, necessary realities around our activity that are going to be like really hard for like the the larger ecosphere of arts institutions to like absorb without really substantial loss you know like we like i i have been working with a mid-sized institution to try to continue to stay open and continue to pay uh artists and i know like how uh i know how hard it, i know how steep that this is right now and i know people are making like extraordinarily difficult decisions all over the spectrum you know oh, like and my center theater group just in, which is i know Los Angeles. yeah i mean it's it, i know it's, i mean like it's, i it's huge yeah, yeah. You're, i know and i know you're like in the middle of all of that because you work with a, a, a an institution but um i'm just you know i'm i'm it's not. awful. I don't know anybody. I know very few people who have not been um, laid off, furloughed, taken a pay cut or had cancellations. I, mm-hmm. um, in a 48 hour period, the number of cancellations that like I suddenly experienced was like, I, you can't even, it's like, it's it, it, the, everybody, everybody I know and love got hit the same way very quickly in like in the worst ways. I, I mean, like, and we, we were already uh, you know, like not making enough, <laughs> you know, and then yeah. like cancellations and postponements and everything on top of that, it was just, uh, like shocking, you know? And I know that, um, some institutions like don't, don't make it through. And I know many institutions have to really change like w- w- how they, um, present the work, but I, uh, and I am like the least optimistic person, <laughs> but like, I, I agree with you. The thing that I am uh, the thing that I'm craving isn't the play exactly, but the experience of, uh, watching the play together, you know, like we're getting to see stuff online, but I'm wondering if like the content is really like the, the moment of theater that like I so crave, or if it's everybody in the audience gasping at the same time, you know, like I, um, uh, it's one thing to like, uh, you know, like watch these living room concerts, but it's, it's another altogether to like go to the festival. You, you know what I mean? Right, and right. I, I really hope on the other side of this, people end up uh, craving that. Uh, but realistically, we will not suddenly be done with this. You know, like it doesn't end with all of us going back into groups of, you know, four five and 600. It, it, we go back slower than that groups of 10 groups of 30 um, different spots in the country having different outbreaks or whatever. I mean, like that's what feels the most realistic and that's going to change institutional theater for a generation or, or, or more, you know? And I, uh, um, I, uh, really, I know that some people are having these conversations in small ways and I know that it's sometimes scary to be like, holy shit, you know, like, I don't know what's next. I don't know how we make it through this, but somehow like just putting the conversation out there and all agreeing that we're scared and all agreeing that we don't know what's next feels a little bit safer than being in denial or posting on the internet that everything's going to be okay when we know nothing could be farther from the truth. Later, I'm going to listen to that, and it's going to so sound so goddamn dark. And I'm sorry about that, but I mean, like, I, I, you know, like, um, I do wish it, that I were drinking uh, something stronger than coffee right now. <laughs> after, after you have it, you've just driven me to drink, and I swear we always on penicillin. I feel like <laughs> we should have done this. <laughs> we should have definitely done this at happy hour and invited other people so somebody else could be like nate you're totally wrong people love theater they're gonna make it in there you know like it's gonna happen <laughs> okay, okay. all right well on that on, on that note uh or not on that note but uh have, that said how about that um what is some i mean something that i've been surprised by and kind of delighted to see is um you know, just this, this like jumping in, um, with, from theaters, I've already, like, I wrote a a 10 minute play last Monday, a comedy called, what is it even called? Um, uh, zoom mediation in pandemic times. And, and (laughs) where can we see this? Well, there's a the I I mean I don't know for like it's not the details aren't fully ironed out, but there's okay, okay. a theater company 
that uh, they're like, Hey, do you have, you know, let me, can I read your zoom play? And I sent it to them and they're like, Hey, we want to do your zoom play. And I think it's happening this weekend, but I um, that. yeah. So it's like, things are happening. I'm like, well, that was really fast. And I wrote it really fast because I wrote it really, I just wrote it for my playwrights lab, which usually we gather Tuesday nights at NTS theater company in, in Glendale, California. And, um, this was our first zoom lab and we're like, let's, let's see how this goes. You know, there were, I think 41 of us, um, the way our lab works is playwrights bring pages and, uh, actors read them cold. And Antias has an incredible ensemble of classically trained actors. And we've been doing this for years now. And it's just like a really great communal thing that we all love a lot. And, um, uh, they're, they're actually the ones who produced the abuelas here in Los Angeles. And that was a play mm-hmm. that I brought, brought into lab. So for, uh, our first zoom one, I wanted to write something like specifically for zoom. Cause I knew people would be br- being, bringing pages from works that they've been working on, but I just had this desire to write something specifically for the medium, you know? And, um, yeah. and so I, I had this idea and I wanted it to be funny and I had no idea if it was. And then that was the, then Tuesday was our lab and that was the day I got sick. And I was like, I don't know if I can go to, go to lab, but I did. I like, they did mine first. They were very gracious. And I, you know, got to watch it and it was, um, I was so sick, but it worked out. It was so much fun. And I had written it the day, like the day before and that morning. And so it was like a really quick thing, which that happens a lot with lab where, you know, you bring pages that day, they're really fresh. But now that that this is like uh, the next week, maybe being performed is a really quick turnaround. And then the other thing that, um, I was really surprised to see how quickly they, that this, like they did this was the 24 hour play festival. I don't know if you saw the monologues that, I mean, they did it twice and it's been really fun to just like to watch that and see what people are creating and how, um, you know, a lot of them are processing the, the current moment and a lot of the writers seem to be, you know, processing the current moment. Um, yeah, we're, we're doing, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I just that that's something that's like, I, I just feel like because yes, what you said was really heavy and dark. And I also think a oh, very truthful. Um, I am such a like, <laughs> how can we? How can we look at something good that is happening right now? And, and well, yeah, I, it's, that, look, what I, I think it's, is there anything? It's, there's well, there's intense appetite for it. So I um, uh, like, uh, uh, I, I was just uh, part of this large community statement. Um, all, all, all the institutions in my community all got together to make this large statement about, you know, like art is uh, who we are, like as a city in Nashville without question, and also how we're surviving this crisis. I mean, like we, we're truly like making music for one another and puppet shows and sharing art. And every single one of us uh, in America, I guess, watched Tiger King last week. And uh, <laughs> I mean, like we, we like desperately... That. Like we, we need it, like not just to like, I mean, like, yes, to navigate and make sense of the moment without question, but also to just like feel human and connect, you know? And so like I, uh, our group, um, uh, the, the company I work for, uh, we've been talking about it for uh, a little while now. And just today uh, uh, are, are able to, um, we're, we're doing mini commissions with our alumni. So we've got, you know, this like a uh, huge pile of, um, this huge list of uh, playwrights, alumni playwrights that have been through the Ingram New Works project. And we're reaching out to some of them with mini commissions for them to write, you know, like a, a, a monologue or postcard or just kind of like response. And then we'll uh, hire a local actor to then turn them around and share mm-hmm. them online for a limited amount of time. So, so not that different really than the 24 hour plays, but it didn't come out of, um, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, anything other than the desire to like both like make sure that money is making it to the hands of artists and local artists who've been hit so hard by this, but also because I was hearing from our core stakeholders, they wanted to hear how our artists were responding. You know, like they, you know, yeah. there was like a real, they, they were like, we need to talk about this. Why, why aren't we, you know, like talking about what's out there? And so, oh, I love that. You know, we're just using the the social channels that are there and our like larger network of artists and. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see how, we'll see how it goes. That's really great. That's so nice. It's really awesome to hear that people other than, um, 
artists themselves are willing to hear from artists <laughs> and what's what you know how how people are processing this and well yeah i mean we um uh uh my my city's relationship with its cultural history is it's my city is very conversant in its in its uh, relationship with art you know we like we talk about uh, and Nashville's my adopted hometown, you know, but like we talk about it a lot. It's like the identity of what makes Nashville, Nashville. And um, artistic responses are something that I think I have seen happen pretty frequently here. Like I know there's other cities like that too. It's not unique to Nashville, but after the, um, uh, the, uh, the 2016 election, uh, we participated in that, um, that uh, night of outrage, that uh, countrywide, um, a theater program, the um, uh, Night of Outrage, where they like challenged local artists to write responses to the moment and then performed them on Inauguration Day. And I just remember that being this like extraordinarily like healing conversation that the artists were having. It was a big live performance and the room was packed and it was, you know, like individual responses and monologues and scenes. And, um, you know, like it was, uh, it wasn't just like a, uh, uh, like, a uh, an opportunity to like shout your politics. <laughs> it was like actually about like, um, naming and processing the moment. Cause it felt very much like the country had kind of pivoted and changed a lot, uh, r r right there between November and January. And I feel like we're in that spot again, you know, that like, it's okay for us to like want art to heal us a little bit or like um soothe us a little bit but also show us like what's next you know i mean that's an awful lot to put on it i guess um and i don't know how much you can achieve in a one minute monologue <laughs> but it's making me feel better to see stuff like that you know yeah yeah it's um i, I mean i find like you sound you're doing a lot of championing it sounds like right now other people i told you it's the only thing that's making me i'm telling you like i no, you know I, like I, I was gonna say like that is a that's i relate to you completely on this because and, and in fact like you know right around uh the new year i was um feeling you know whatever everybody feels that way like maybe maybe not everybody but i i i love new year's and i hate new year's <laughs> because i'm i'm just you know inevitably disappointed in myself for things I didn't do whatever anyway my point <laughs> is <laughs> whatever I'll listen to them later whatever <laughs> the thing no I'm a I'm a perfectionist and I'm a control freak and so these are all the, you know life uh of of learning about myself and you know I got a therapist at the in between Christmas and New Year's and it, it's been helping tremendously um but one of the things that in terms of my anxiety, because I also have anxiety, is uh, that helps me because they're, my anxiety is triggered by things I can't control. So it's really so amazing being a playwright with all these things that are within my, that are not within my control. You know, it's, 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 uh, I can speak more about that if, if I don't even know if that would be of interest to anybody or just like really incredibly depressing but basically <laughs> my anxiety is triggered by the very thing I chose to be in life um so I have to find I have to find ways to help myself one like one of the things I do that helps is I I have gotten back into running and that is like always the best thing oh I can't right now because of this but you know it's um it's great Anyway, yeah, it's great. But no, helping other people. Like anytime I feel anxiety about my career or anxiety about my writing or, you know, I think a lot of like not um, this this feeling of like, oh my God, I have to I have to write something right now that's like I have to be do taking advantage of this time. Part of it, part of it for me when I get kind of hooked into that is I'm seeing what other people are doing and I'm comparing myself and I'm like, Oh, they're going to come out of this with like five new plays and I'm not going to have anything to show for it. And how am I going to feel compared to them? You know, okay. or, but, you know, but like, like, well, but not, like let's not let, let, don't do that. I don't no, mean no, to no, give you advice or whatever, but that's like, that's You're, only going to like, you didn't, let me so, you didn't let me finish. You didn't let me finish. <laughs> that's, that's what I, I, that, no, that's just going to happen. That is something that naturally like human nature, I compare myself to other people. And then 
what I am getting better and better at, because I'm now 44 years old, almost 45, is that I finally, uh, I see that machinery going and I can stop it. You know, I can stop it and be like, okay, that's not healthy. I'm, you know, they're, they're doing their thing. I'm doing my thing. So it's like, I, I, I got to stop that. But the, the best way for me to stop that though, like I have tools now that I know that I can reliably rely on is to then go read somebody else's play and leave them a recommendation on the new play exchange. You know, that makes me feel better. It actually makes me feel like I'm doing something or be like, or I, I love connecting people, you know, um, God, right before all of this, this went down, you know, uh, a friend of mine was telling me that like a theater company had lost uh, rights to a play and they were looking for a new one to slot in. And this is what they were looking for. And I was like, Oh, I know somebody who has something that might be really interesting, you know, connecting them. Like anytime I can do something like that, I just, I get out of my own head and I, and that feeling of like, I've got to make something happen in my career. I've got to make some money. I've got to feel the support of my family and like this, like desperation. If I start feeling that desperation, like I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing enough. Um, I, I, I put it down, I set it down and I go do something for somebody else. And, um, that is like the best thing to help me feel better when, when, and you know, in any situation. So like, I completely relate. And when, when all of this started happening, I, I mean, knock on, I do have a production at the end of, August and I'm just preparing myself mentally for it to possibly, you know, to be canceled. Uh, in the beginning of this, I'm like, Oh, there's no way that'll get canceled. But now I'm like, well, you know what it might or postponed or whatever. But, um, so far I haven't had anything, but when everybody's world premieres and like first productions, like I felt that pain so much. And so, um, you know, I just went on Twitter and said, Hey, if anybody has a play that's been postponed or canceled, you know, reply here and I'll, add it to my reading list on the new play exchange. Like I'm not a fast reader and I've got two kids, but I'll do my best and I will leave a recommendation and let's try and get other people to read your stuff. You know, let's try and get these canceled and postponed plays some love. And that really took off. Like it was crazy. It was like, it was like on CNN and, and in not on CNN, it was like in a CNN article. And, um, the LA Times. It was like, it was so, it was exactly, it was exactly right. And it's a thing that we all, like what you're talking about is stuff that I think so many of us like really feel, which is like, uh, like not just like the pain around our own cancellation and postponements, but like seeing it in other people and the way they're reacting. I mean, no one, uh, this isn't because of like some terrible mistakes that were made or some, or like some individual mismanagement of a theater. Like we're experiencing an industry wide crisis, yeah. like yeah. Uh, on, uh, inside a global, a global pandemic you, you know, and I mean, like the the kind of like solidarity. I loved that that the the way that people immediately responded to that, and um, and I, you were I know um uh, uh oh gosh, uh, Donna worked at Donna Hope. Donna Hope at- was like, oh, she's like, I'll put a list together of all the places because you know yeah. it got really hard. It, so many people responded, and then other people were like, um, you know, adding to it, like trying to amplify it. So yeah, which right. was a, which was what I was hoping for that it got really confusing. Like you had to like scroll through this. I'm like, I, I can't keep track of this anymore. And then at the same time, I'm, you know, suddenly like dealing with homeschooling my kids. I'm like, I don't know. All I could do was add to my own list, you know? And so Donna yeah. volunteered. Well, to there's such good list. fucking plays on that list. Yeah. And it's great. It's like, it, you know, when I'm feeling like, Oh God, I can't, I can't write. It's, I have a place, you know, all these plays that I can go to and read. And if it's like, okay, I don't, I don't have two hours right now. I don't have an hour. I have half an hour. Oh, so I'll even just like, there are a bunch of 10 minute plays on that list. And like, this is a, I don't know when this is airing, but hope I'm, I think soonish. And so this might be a good chance right now to kind of promote that list. So, um, it's, it's a shareable list Donna Hoke made and anybody can go find it. Um, she might have it pinned on her Twitter page. I can't, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Email me. <laughs> we'll find it. I will send it to you. Yeah. But like people can go there. Also, they can um, contact Donna and she'll add them if to the list. If they have, you know, f- future plays get postponed or canceled, like um, playwrights can have their plays added to the list. She's continually adding um, to that list. It just keeps growing as it's going to. I mean, as, as this goes on, it will continue to grow. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, um, I don't know, the, it's like this document, it's like an archival document to be able to But see. it feels like it, the spirit of it, I mean, like not just the, listen, th- those are badass, but there are some like seriously good plays on that list. Uh, but, uh, it, it, this, the spirit of what you did felt a lot of, um, uh, what I'm feeling right now, you know, which is like a kind of like commiseration and solidarity. I mean, like, yeah, yes, there are obviously like disagreements and there's problems with individual, uh, institutions. And I, I mean, like I get all of that, but like, we are really trying to help each other out in extraordinary ways. The sharing of, um, like, uh, uh, grants and financial resources. Like I can't even tell you the number of like email lists I'm on where I'm getting, and we all fucking need them, you know, like, uh, like, uh, uh, resources for, uh, economic help at this time, you know, I mean, like beyond just like the, um, uh, the fund, you, you know, like, uh, but, uh, uh, other like, um, uh, local, uh, state and, um, uh, 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 federal loans and emergency grants and all that, or the way that we're trying to like help connect each other with work or companies like, you know, moving money directly to the artists that are currently under commission or like future productions, all that stuff. I mean, like we're really, like I said, I don't know anybody that's not in a, uh, in a tough spot right now. And I, I love the way that we all seem to be like su- supporting one another. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like I, um, I feel like one of the things going on in this crisis is I'm uh, able to like really see super clearly everybody's um, coping mechanisms. <laughs> like we're kind of, because we're all experiencing the same trauma, the stuff that we're doing is definitely like a coping mechanism. And I know, so for me, like, w- w- like helping to amplify other people uh, is like, you know, like sometimes when I'm in trouble, the my coping mechanism is to check on other people and make sure they're okay (laughs) you know and like i i know that's part of what i'm doing is like okay i i I am i am disconnected and so i'm helping other people to connect and i i as a way of like servicing that and i i get that uh but like i also feel like our activity is like built on that kind of inter-reliance you know that like we really are um uh, we are put in different combinations and cohorts and we fight to like, you know, apply to be, um, uh, you know, like in writers groups and all that stuff. And it's because we're all desperate for these like home institutions to help support us. And I love it when stuff happens where like we all support one another, like across those institutions or no matter where we are. That was one of the coolest things about your list. It was just like, here's some, like, here's some plays that got canceled everywhere. You know, like, you know, and I, uh, I just, I, uh, I, I love that. I, I, I love no matter like what, you know, like uh, ideological or thematic or like artistic differences we have with one another, we are all out here in a, like a very difficult field, <laughs> you know, like experiencing a collective trauma. Yeah. It is. It's a collective, a collective trauma. And I find what I'm feeling really grateful about is that there are so many um, opportunities to process this moment with each other, whether it's, you know, through the work, like calls for plays, and there's actually calls for plays happening right now. It's, I, I've, you know, kind of been amazed by that. But it, you know, it's yeah, for Zoom, Zoom plays, or, you know, anything like people stepping up to make these things happen. But for um, just conversation, And I've got so many emails now, and I'm sure like everybody does, that I can't, I can't stay on top of. I mean, today I had, you know, my, my kindergartner, he has Zoom uh, classes every morning from 10 to 1040. And I have to help him with it because, you know, there's a lot of muting and unmuting and, uh, you know, all that sort of thing. So like I'm managing my kids' Zoom meetings and then there's like Zoom meetings that I could be on, um, ones that I need to be on or, um, ones that are like, Hey, let's get to, you know, like, have you done a zoom happy hour yet? Oh yeah. Listen, my whole life is zoom. So it's like zoom business meetings. And then, um, you know, like I'm still working with individual dramaturgical client, you know, like I do, um, individual development. Um, and so if you need help with your play and are interested in working on it, you can reach me at (laughs) nateepler.com. Nate's amazing. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, so I do that, and then uh, yeah, and then definitely Zoom happy hours. 
Uh, I, I've, but, only you know, like, one. I've only done one, but, um, but oh, like, we're going to do that. We're going to have a yeah, Zoom happy we're hour. Try, so yeah, we're trying to get our, uh, our ANPF group together for a Zoom happy hour. We should do this. I, yeah. Look, just like seeing people's face. I'm so, are you not like so worried about your people? I mean, like, I'm so worried, like, just like hearing, seeing people's faces or hearing like, uh, yeah. look, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about your family. I'm worried about your husband being, uh, uh, sick right now. Um, but like hearing your voice and hearing you talk about it, it is normalizing to know that the stuff that I'm going through and like, uh, you know, like in the middle of my quarantine, it, like there are other people who are going through that stuff too. Like you like, you know, like share it and talk about it. It really matters. And it's like so much better when you can see each other's faces. Now, for the most part, the zoom happy hours eventually get to a point where we're all crying, but you know, <laughs> but how is that different is, is than, that? you know, the bar? I mean, like, like, <laughs> How is that? How is that any different? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's it's. Uh, I think I texted. Um, I texted our ANPF. We still have for the listeners out there the the Ashland New Plays Festival group um, that Nate and I were a part of was with um, um, Ian August and uh, Victor Lesniewski, and of course Beth Kander was our uh, what champion i don't know what is her title our 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 moderator our champion our liaison anyway um we have a text chain i think she would be satisfied with our champion i think that she would be i love her um Uh, yeah but anyway so we've got we've got this text chain and i was asking for i was requesting nay demanding a uh happy hour because these they make me laugh so much. I, I mean, my memories of our time at uh, the play festival was really like my stomach hurting with laughter almost that entire week. It was the best. Like, I need my stomach to hurt with laughter from laughter again, right now, especially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, the bar is set pretty high, but I'll take I'll take crying if, 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 uh, if laughter can't happen, but we can I do need, both. We'll do both. <laughs> something cathartic, cathartic. I, I need a catharsis. Um, yeah, I think that's why, you know, it's funny. Cause I, I was like, I'm going to write, uh, I'm going to write a comedy and, and, you know, in 10 minutes, whatever, this might be, ter- this might be so unfunny. This might not work at all. And it's funny to, I don't even know right now. It's the line between like absurd and comedic and also extremely dark and depressing is it's like everything is kind of all the same. I don't, they, they, they cross over so much in this world we're living in right now. It's hard to know. Well, I I mean, stuff's kind of super weird right now. Uh, So like the, uh, yeah, there's very little stuff that is not both like intensely hilarious, very disorienting, and deeply, deeply sad. Which um, is kind and, of my favorite kind of art, which is weird. Like I love sure. it when I go see a show and it makes me feel all those things. <laughs> but then you know I'm crying. I there isn't. I don't think there's a day that's gone by that I haven't cried at least a little bit. You know, for for some reason. Um, yeah, I totally get that. But like, think we're talking about like our like you know like uh, our reactions to a global pandemic on a podcast about playwriting that is all kind of absurd <laughs> you know what i mean like it's all it's all sort of like uh uh crazy right now. you know just like the thought that like um uh we're going through this and it's as big as an intense as it is and like it, although it will change us as artists it hasn't changed the fact that we are artists right i think I had it in my head in some way that there would be like some giant global crisis and we would like immediately drop into Mad Max roles. And instead it's not like that. You know what I mean? My lawyer brother is still a lawyer in the middle of the pandemic and I'm, you know, like still, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, working for a not for profit mm-hmm. in the middle of the pandemic. And you and I are still like trying to find time for writing in the middle of the pandemic. And that all seems like both like so crazy and absurd and so like gorgeously human. You know what I mean? I mean, I like, I, that. oh my God, I can't even tell you the number of times I have cried with, at, or like because of somebody at the grocery store. Like, do you, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, like, uh, it's the only place that we're kind of all going and just like thanking a grocery clerk brought me and the grocery clerk to tears the other day. <laughs> you know, I mean, like it's, in, it's intense. What we're experiencing is intense. I'm finding too, like, 
it's um I, I don't think I'm particularly somebody who's like who has a hard time asking for what I need or for help but um but I'm seeing it in myself now because everybody is having, you know, in this and it's really hard. But I had a friend when I was sick, I had a friend offer to bring me um, soup and that her husband had made. And I, you know, was like thinking to myself how, yes, that would be amazing. And I would absolutely have that soup, you know, but I didn't want to put her out. And I, oh, live, on yeah. other, yeah. I live on the other side of town. Granted, this is the best time to drive around to Los Angeles. Nobody's on the road. Um, but anyway, she, you know, you know, there was like a little back and forth on the text, like only if you're sure, like, are you really sure? And she's like, yes, we want to get out of the house. So I was like, okay. Um, and then she left me the soup and cookie bars, homemade cookie bars for my boys and Meyer lemons from her tree. And it just, it like, it made me cry. I was, I felt so loved and I, yeah. and I told her, I'm like, and it's making me cry right now. Just thinking about it. <laughs> but it, it just, um, you know, I mean, I, I could, she told like, she told me, she's like, I want to do that. And then I have, I have offered, I, you know, to do things for people. Like I had a friend who wanted lemons <laughs> and we don't have a lemon tree, but I have a friend who has a lemon tree and I was trying to get lemons for this other friend, you know, and, yeah. you know, and, yeah. I, and I finally, I got all this sudden, I would just been like, uh, somebody else brought me lemons too. And so I have all these lemons and I wanted to share them with her. And she's like, it's okay. I already got lemons, but I found myself like really disappointed that she had already gotten lemons elsewhere because I really want to make a difference for somebody else too. And so I, I'm just yesterday, um, I, I asked a friend of mine who's in New Jersey, who she has, um, she tested positive for COVID-19 and she's on the, the, she's on the recovery side. She's now recovered from it and her symptoms. She never had a fever. Um, and which is a, an interest to me because my husband doesn't have a fever. He, so, you know, I was like, Oh, could this really be it if you don't have a fever? And she's like, well, I didn't have a fever and I just tested positive. So I'm like, okay, so we're just going to be ultra careful. Um, yeah. so she told me, she's like, you can't go to the grocery store because you could be a carrier. You could be infected. Are you hearing that? Ding? I'm sorry. Hang on. Um, wait, shoot. Okay. Um, anyway, so, I was like, okay, well, we need groceries and this is going to, I don't want to ask somebody to have to go grocery shopping for me because that's, it's not just like go to the store. Now it's like potentially get infected. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's, it's, it's just one of those things, but I have a friend who'd been offering to grocery shop for people. So, um, and then also my husband's aunt lives in the house behind our house. And so, um, she had been offering, but she's a nurse. She's a nurse and she's working and she's, you know, in the thick of it, she's working, she works in a cardio unit. So it's not, she's not treating COVID-19 patients, but she's, um, but still, know, still yeah. going to the hospital, going to Cedar sinai every day and, um, is scared and, and she's exhausted. And, um, I didn't want to ask her to go grocery shopping for us, but I, I did because Bob was like, no, she wants to help. So I was like, okay. So I, uh, you know, I asked her, she's like, send me your list. I'll go either on my lunch break or after work. And I'm like, no, I can't, I really can't ask you to do this. This is like, and it's just this, this whole thing. And she, but she's like, I, I want to. And then last night she brought after her shift, like she brought all the groceries to the front porch. She tore off the exterior bags, you know, and like threw them away for me. And she's like, we're being extra careful. Right. So you know, putting groceries away is a whole process. But anyway, my point of all this is like, I really, it was hard. It was really hard to, um, let somebody help me, even though I so desperately was like, I want to help other people. And I know if I'm feeling that way and if somebody's offering, like if I offer to help somebody, it means I really want to help it right now, especially like it's not, it doesn't, it's not just a, I'm being polite. So I think that 
I'm trying to trust that. So if anyone asks, like offers to help me, I'm trying to say yes, because um, that's what I would want others. To you are do. totally, you look, I believe me, I, oh, you are like singing my song. Uh, uh, it is, ext- it is extraordinarily difficult to ask for help when you know that what you're asking for will be difficult for the other person, will be a burden, whatever, right? Or a risk for them. I mean, like any of that. And usually the kind of help that a person has to ask for is that kind of stuff. And like, I, uh, I, I, I hate to ask for help. It like it, oh my gosh, it just tears my heart out to like, um, ask to, uh, ask for, uh, help when I need it. It's, it's so, it's so hard. For me. Um, but I, I, I do love to like, uh, give help and I would be mortified if somebody didn't want to ask. I mean, I would do, oh my gosh, I would do any, and I don't even like you, Stephanie, I would do anything for you. <laughs> I would totally, I would help you however you need it, you know? And, and like, and I, I know that like, uh, um, I mean, like I, I, I talk about this in therapy. I know that I'm uh, wrong. I know that like help and like relying on other people is only like a real problem when it's really asymmetrical. You know what I mean? But like the truth is, is that asking for help and giving help is one of the ways that we remember we are like interdependent with one another, you know? And like right now, like the thought that somebody is helping you and you are helping somebody else or you're helping somebody with a lemon hookup i'm not sure that i totally followed that story but i guess you have like an illegal you have like an illegal lemon farm or something i'm not sure but like that like isn't that like really necessary right now when we're all like lemons when we're all like complete completely isolated yeah and like and forgetting how we like really really desperately need one another like i think it's okay to like remind ourselves that we do have to be able to do that. Yes. Don't go to the store, get somebody to go for you. Like don't right. put other people at risk, oh, but no. also like let people who are willing to do it help you because otherwise like we, like we only get through this, like no question. We only get through this together. It's like your NPX list, right? Like those, those plays all just like go into the ether and we don't get to see them and they all kind of like fade away or like exist on, you know, like somebody's Facebook page about like tonight would have been our opening night or tonight would have been our closing night, but like you memorialize them and put them together and we become reliant on each other. And that's the way that that kind of stuff like uh, survives and like, and echoes out. I I I feel very strongly about that. I, 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 you know, like I, um, uh, I, I consciously, um, I so desperately want to connect, you know, and, sometimes the way to do that is to like reach out and say, I need help, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, we laughed and we cried and we talked about lemons. (laughs) You know, you're, you're, you were just, I love talking to you because I feel like you can reach into my brain and pull out my thoughts and and then and then speak them in a way that I cannot I cannot give words. Well, to. I love I'm finding a hard <laughs> time speaking and finding words to say. To well, I love talking to you because you ask me the kind of questions that other people usually let me slide on, and so I appreciate that. <laughs> <sighs> I think I only did that once. I should have done it more. Um, uh, so we have come to the end of our um, uh, what I'm sure was very entertaining podcast. Oh my God. Have we been talking for over an hour? We have, we've been talking for, um, uh, uh, just, just around an hour. We did um, it again. Uh, so like, um, okay. So, uh, so here's the deal, right? Like we're definitely, I'm sure we'll be the only people that listen to this besides my parents. Um, uh, what, uh, like, what do you want to tell you a week or two from now? Oh God, I just saw these messages from Andy asking us to turn our headphones down because he was getting feedback. Whoops, sorry, Andy. Uh... (laughs) Wait, is that true? This has messages? Wait, oh my gosh. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, yep, yep, there we are. (laughs) So it's been an hour of feedback. The thing that I'm laughing about is that uh, what people won't know is that you and I recorded a podcast like a year ago. I don't know if it was a year ago. It feels like a year. It feels like ten years ago. But anyway, we did this it was ten, 10 years before, ago, and it never, it never 
aired. It never got put out there because we were so That's awful. right. We, 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 we did this before. Boring. It was so boring. That's right. It was so boring that they never aired the podcast. And now this one, I think, was definitely less boring, but apparently has the sound of feedback throughout. <laughs> <laughs> we're so good at this. <laughs> oh my god i take full blame um because i'm just really good at that it's my fault everything's my fault uh, do, do you have any advice for your future self or wise words to um wrap us up um no 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 absolutely not okay uh, future self i don't i i've uh <laughs> i don't know what to say I don't know. I think that I think that the, all I can say is like the best thing is uh, if my if my kid if if one of my kids says uh, builds a bed in the living room floor and says, "Mommy, stop what you're doing and come lie down with me," then do it. Oh, that that's really good. <laughs> that that's super yesterday. good. It's that's really good. It's specific, but it's also a <laughs> metaphor. It's super good. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so happy to have gained your approval. That makes me very happy. <laughs> what about you? Uh, um, uh, oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, uh, I mean, like, definitely the kid thing about the building the bed, definitely that thing. And But also, uh, like, metaphorically. Um, and then uh, I think... Um, Oh, I would tell me to like make sure, like be be conscious about making space for your own uh, experience. You know that, like, you know what I mean. Like, I don't mean like you know, fifteen minutes of freaking out every day or whatever, but like making room where you're not just like surviving it, but you're also like um, processing as best you can. You know, and like being being conscious of that. That's great. Great, I approve of that. Ah, I also have your approval. You are, See, you this is a good conversation. You have my approval. That's good advice for me too. I will, I will apply that to my life today. I am really glad to do this, and I am really uh, like delighted to get any chance to talk to you for real. I, I, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of your work, but I, I think you're great. And um, we will have nice. a, a, a happy hour soon. Yes. Yes, please. Thanks for listening. Ashland New Place Festival Play for Keith's podcast is produced in beautiful Ashland, Oregon by me, Andy Neal, and Cara Quinn Lewis, with written content edited by Carol Florian. Many thanks to all our supporters and AMPF members who help support new works for the stage. Visit us online at ashlandnewplace.org. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Help us spread the word, like, follow, share, and subscribe. I'm your host, Andy Neal. Thanks for listening to the Ashland New Place Festival Play for Keeps podcast.